I am unashamed. What about you? Welcome back to Unashamed Podcast. Uh, we got Zach somewhere out in the ether world. Hopefully he's going to join us at some point, Jace. He's uh, he a technical difficulty. He has a lot of technical difficulties. I'm not, he's, he's book smart, but he's not gadget smart. He needs to hire him a young MacGyver, techie, techie guy, Phil. I have yeah. a lot of problems, but they're not technical issues. Trust me. Well, because you. you just flushed the whole <laughs> yeah. concept yeah. down the tubes. Which is, look, Phil, it's admirable, I think, to uh, to just say, no, technology, I'm out. That, that's that's that's. <laughs> you, you have spoken well, my son. <laughs> Phil, you are the definition of a of a dinosaur when it comes to technology. Behind the times. Yeah, but the sad thing is, the there are no dinosaurs here anymore. So I don't know <laughs> if that illustration is really good. <laughs> See, I have a I have proof of a couple of degrees that scares them. But I'm just not, I didn't go down the road of little black boxes. You had a notebook and a pen. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, what, what, what? I'm not did... knocking it. I'm glad people have cell phones. But I'm just saying, in my humble opinion, you can, those things will control your life. Oh, it does not... a lot of people. Well, I'm just, yeah. if I'm wrong, maybe so, but I, I've talked to a lot of them, and boy, they are all in. Yeah, I saw at least three people on the way down here that was stopping traffic because they were on their phone. That's what I'm saying. It's just so annoying. Too much. It is so annoying. When you're driving 25 <laughs> in a 55, and you're, you're unaware that there are 40 cars behind you, and when you finally get up there and pass, and you're looking, and someone has their phone on their steering wheel, and they're just typing going down the highway <laughs> that just happened so i don't know how many wrecks ensue because of that but i would say it, a lot of people it, it you was, know what bothers me though is i was the only person who blew the horn and uh i just then I, they look at you like what are you doing i i blew the horn in love because i'm trying to help <laughs> you survive and look do you know what this young man's response was when i did that the middle finger. Get out of my no, face. No, it wasn't the middle finger. I was shocked. It was looking at me like arms went up. Like, what? <laughs> you coming on board or not? <laughs> oh, man. I love... I love the phrase "blowing the horn in love." That's I've never, I've never yeah. heard yeah, that normally. particular phrase. Well, I'll, when you think about it, I'm trying no, to agree. save this guy's life here, and but it, the response was, "What?" <laughs> I just, hands go out. I just waved, went on, went on around him. <laughs> What'd you tell the, the one that time, Jay's in the roundabout? When they had they stopped, they were on their phone. You said, "Live." <laughs> I, do well, live your life. I do various things. I'm in a better They're place. Do a little, the little uh, uh, surgery, whatever my minor surgery, uh, if you can call it surgery. tomorrow. Phil, always remember yeah. this. When it took two days, Phil, it's minor if it's on someone else. It's yeah. major <laughs> if it's on you. Well, it took two days for them to verify that I am who I am. 
two days. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I mean, that means you, you walk in there, get your driver license, get your social security card, get your, your health really? card. Oh. Phil, I wouldn't think anyone uh, would, would be mistaken for being you. I think there's you're an original. Well, it was in the midst of people who said, what are you doing here? I mean, I, but I mean, but, but, but to sign up and for them to do a little, little surgery on you, little doctrine on you, they're going to find out who you are and what is in your body. So you were having a little mini appearance there in the waiting room is what oh, you're they, saying. They checked the... your skeletal <laughs> from head to toe, your head, your back, your intestines. I guess they check it all. I mean, Phil, I'll tell you this. If I don't know, I don't care who, what celebrity it was, if I'm in a... If I'm in a waiting room and the guy's got a broken back, I'm not going to say, hey, man, before you go in there, let's take a picture. Hey, can I, I, get I, a was, I was stunned that you, you just couldn't do it. They just kept, yeah. kept coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you it was know nice why. of you did do that. It was, the, it was what we talked about earlier. It was the dinosaur idea. You get out so little when someone sees you in their world, because there's a lot of people that are in a lot of waiting rooms, but when they see you there, they thought we we just gotta we gotta approach him. We can't not. Approach well, they him. may be thinking, oh, he's in the hospital. I mean, he's in the waiting room. This may be the last chance I get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <It> could <laughs> depending be. on. I his. just noticed by looking. You know, I'm sitting at the kind of the back in the corner back there, but I, I just noticed that 95 percent of all individuals in there, gray. Gray head, gray beard. Yeah, beard. you saw a pattern. I saw a pattern. I said, the mm. body's breaking down. That's right. And you need some assistance. Yep. Well, let me tell you, I would say. I was basically saying the beginning of the end. Well, I'll say this. There's a 100% chance that when you're in a room like that, you're standing out as a person of interest. <laughs> and I'm trying to, trying to blend in best I can. <laughs> it's not going to happen, Phil. <laughs> well, that that made me think, What is what are, what are y'all's uh theories on the what happened to the dinosaurs i don't think we've ever had that discussion i would say well that's what i would say for the most part the flood got them that's interesting well wouldn't there have been two of them on the boat the the, the ones that god decided to stay with or maybe they didn't show up yeah. for the call I, I, if you want to want a, uh, a man who's really well versed in that daniel edwards dan the eunuch He's he he can he can talk some stuff for you, show you some stuff biblically that about dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm an old Earth guy, so I, I'm I'm thinking they just went the way of the dinosaur over a period of time. I, I'm not a I'm not I don't subscribe to the 24 hour day. There day. are I mean, piles, mountains of do, of bones, dinosaurs. I mean, just on top of each yeah, they other, were here. hundreds of feet thick, and up in a valley, in a, in a mountain range, it's just slam full of dinosaur parts. It almost as if they were running in a herd, moving away from something. That water just kept coming up. Oh, there was definitely an extinction event for them, whether it was the flood in the Bible or something else. That they were there was an extinction event. But don't for you the find dinosaurs, it no fascinating it. that uh, then all these non-God views of the Earth and its creatures that they kind of centered around the you know the strongest will survive, and obviously they were pretty strong, and that's you know to get in my illustration about chickens when I'm looking at the 
dinosaurs not making it and the chicken making it, I'm thinking something doesn't seem right with this theory. Well, like we said before, Jace, when you say we're evolved, uh, our closest ancestor is a monkey, and yet we're still here, and they're running around there at the zoo, and we're like taking care of them. Something doesn't ring true about that either, right? I never figured out why they stopped evolving to the human state. They're like, well, you got to wait millions of years. That's, what well, it, that's it the happened. answer. They're saying, give it enough time. Anything can happen. But if once it started, wouldn't it keep happening? You would think. I, you know, that was the part where I woke up when I was hearing this. And when I was in 10th or 11th grade, I thought, this makes no sense. <laughs> that's right. Our father is God. Their father is, is innuendos. And this is what we think. And in salt water is what made all these animals, birds. Salt water is the source of atoms. But if your theory is the flood uh, wiped out the dinosaurs, well, the very thing that made them, salt water, actually took them out. That is correct. Interesting theory, Phil. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know how well, we got off on that road, but I'm sure you, you'll probably get more emails about here. Let me tell you about the dinosaur. Here, oh yeah, here, here's here's how it went down. And they are mentioned well, they, in the Bible. The, the, well, the Leviathan and yeah, the yeah. Behemoth yeah, yeah, yeah. references. I have read that. So if you want an amusing yeah, the, uh, read, look that up in the, the Bible. book of Job. Is uh, has some interesting references, and Job is was a very ancient person so there's a lot about him that's in there you know when i was in college though they basically the person the missing link you know the 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 kind of part beast part person was some some bone they found over in africa it was interesting because they built this whole person her name was lucy i don't know who gave her the name some scientist and they built the whole person out of one femur bone and, and I was just like, you know, that's a lot of, you're, you're doing a lot of, you talk about faith, you're building a whole missing link, half, half beast, half person off of one femur bone. And then you're making fun of, you're making fun of me because God uh, took one of the Adam's rib and, and made a woman. Well, it seemed like to me. You stole our idea. <laughs> <laughs> We're back to that again. <laughs> so at least at the end of the day, which we talked about on our last podcast, the final analysis, it's way better to be on this side of God being the creator and an eternal being and Jesus at the right hand of God. He has assumed the throne than to say, well, I think one day I will dissolve into the energy of life and just be. The whole summation can be figured out in one thing. Uh, with their your particular uh, belief system, I said, what about physical death? In other words, everything we're reading here, when it comes right down to it, it's all about the resurrection of the dead. That's that's the power behind. Yeah, I think Jesus really it comes power. down to that. Do you want to be a fossil, or do you want to be part of a forever family? There you go. That's what they call. Therefore, who has the best story? The best story. 
for everybody concerned. We do. We have the best story, Jason. Their and story even other, is, you know, even some. other ideologies and religions that they they try to go for that same thing. The idea that you would be part of the universe, that y- your spirit would become part yep. of the great yep. whatever, or or you'd be reincarnated as another being or person. So that these concepts still flow out of this idea of the resurrection, mm-hmm. you know, that there's something beyond the tomb, which I felt like the last two podcasts we did really set that up pretty well. That's 9 through That's, 12. It, it, Jesus brings it up three times. And he said, you know, they're going to fly, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, uh, he will rise. I mean, just matter-of-factly. No, yeah. but it's it's important because, you know, when we get to Mark 13, which we're a couple of podcasts away from, there are many thoughts on Mark 13, and we'll address them. But one of the central uh what would you call that out? One of these, yeah, one of the central yeah. themes. Our tenants, yeah. Hang yeah. on, Jace, before you get before you get into that, let's take a break. So we all know that this last year was momentous because Roe versus Wade uh, was overturned, and of course the battle still goes on. It's just now at the state level, and it'll still be at the federal level as well. So we know that no group in America is better positioned to help us in this battle than 40 Days for Life. They have a million volunteers in a thousand cities. They hold peaceful vigils outside abortion facilities, and they have a large presence in a lot of the blue states where we still see a lot of abortion. So they've, because they're peaceful uh, vigils, they've uh, caused the abortion no-show rate to go as high as 75%, which is huge. And they've also uh, helped close 106 abortion businesses in America. So they're changing hearts, they're changing minds, they're making a big difference, and we want to join these guys and be a part of the action. So check out their locations. Um, you might want to volunteer and you know participate in one of their prayer vigils. They've got a podcast, which is excellent. Uh, they have a free magazine uh, that you can get as well, and you go to 40daysforlife.com uh, to be able to get access to this information and also to stay updated on what's going on in post row America. So that's 40 days for life.com four zero days for life.com. So in Mark 13, I think people just all of a sudden lose where they're at from Jesus perspective because one of the central themes or tenets of of Mark is this idea of the temple keeps coming up. You know, in chapter 11, he clears the temple. And you remember that? And and that have happened two different occasions, I believe, right, Al? Or, or it happened in, in different orders in some of the other gospels. Yeah, right, because John had a little bit earlier. And, and and think about Jace even coming into that. We the last couple of podcasts we've talked about we talked about the ascension and the resurrection. When Jesus comes into Jerusalem in Mark eleven, he comes in as a king. I mean, the idea is the king has arrived. Now, what threw everybody off is they weren't they didn't know what he was there to do as king, and they didn't realize he had to die. But he comes in as king, so that's kind of sets up this idea, and that's why he goes straight to the temple. Well, he does, and and that leads up to chapter 13 because you notice in 12 
35, he was teaching in the temple courts. Now, he, you know, part of what he said is how is it that the teachers of the law say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? The Lord, the large crowd listened to him with delight. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely, which is is very uh, graphic and blunt. And then he says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money and in, in where they put it, in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So in chapter 13, as he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. So we'll get into that. But the reason I'm making a point about this is because I, I really believe, uh, to reference the dinosaur talk from earlier, you know, today, the idea of temples is not something we're really keen on. I mean, we don't, we don't, it's not part of our culture for the most part. I mean, when you think a temple, what do you think? Oh, tall buildings. A tall building with like pillars and and people view it as a place of worship, I guess. What it, what it, what, what we saw when we went to Rome, and we saw Catholicism and their structures, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Marble. But ba- back in the day, on this day, the temple was pretty much your political, your religious, your everything about the culture revolved around that temple which is why Jesus got into trouble by making the insinuation that he might do something about the temple. You know, So I want to read that in, in John because I think this is a great platform to when we get to Mark 13 because he's specifically addressing what's going to happen to this temple. And look, no matter how, what you believe about it, a few years later after this talk this temple that he was that he was walking out of and in the courts and watching the widow was decimated yeah and i believe there was not one stone left on another reduced to rubble so what when was that ad 70 l yep so when you read john 2 he he has a little more commentary on why people are so upset about this and so look at I believe it's in uh, yeah two twelve. So after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brother and disciples, and they stayed a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
in the temple courts. Now, this is where he just gave the same little sermon about David and this lineage and how could he be the how could he be referring to the Lord as his Lord? He found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So this same story is in Mark eleven that we we addressed earlier. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get those out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. That's in uh, Psalm 69. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show show us to prove your authority to do all this? Which is a common theme. Where, where, who's, where, who, who do you think you are? Jesus, yeah, Jesus answered them. So we, I've read all these verses and we've done all this to get to this point, which goes to what Phil said before. Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Well, the Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Now, they, they're obviously referring to the temple, which was the lifeblood of this culture at this time, not for, for their religion, for their, and this is where God is. You know, they had a, once a year, the high priest goes in there, but you know, the common man can't go there, but we have the dwelling place of God here. And they've turned it into not only uh, religion and politics, but also commerce. I mean, they're making money. This is the lifeblood. So the Jews, they said, it has taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And then it has this kind of parenthetical thought. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recall what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. No, that's powerful. And it shows you the the clear contrast of what Jesus was bringing to the table. It was the end of the complete era of temple worship of this is where you get, you you never really got absolution, but this is where you're going to get your sins passed on to the next year. That whole system was going down. And what he was saying was, I am the new system. Yep. Yeah. Cause think about it. All that's why he said all authority post resurrection. As soon as he was resurrected, the first words out of his mouth is is that I am the one. There's you know in heaven and on earth, all authority has been given to me. Go make disciples, and amazingly, making disciples was the new temple. The people who made up put their faith in Jesus and His authority to raise the dead. He proved it by being raised from the dead. He was saying. We are the temple, which you talk about a leap, a leap. Just think about that, Al. Bringing, bringing in the Gentiles too, bringing in the Gentiles too. Well, the Jews just went nuts over that. They still are. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And hang on, let's take another break. Well, tis the season. Happy holidays, of course. Um, it is the season of giving. Uh, but you've already given enough to your internet service provider. Uh, if you haven't been using ExpressVPN every time you've gone online this year, 
Uh, and I'm not just talking about the enormous Internet bill you pay every month. Uh, we all have that to deal with, right? But every time you go online without ExpressVPN, your provider like AT&T or Verizon or whoever, uh, they can see and log every single website that you visit. So you're giving them a lot more than just your money. Um, so on top of overcharging you, they've also, they are also legally allowed uh, to sell all your browsing activities to third-party advertisers for massive profits. So that's why we go online with ExpressVPN. Their app encrypts and reroutes 100% of your network data uh, through secure servers. So your provider can't see anything. So you fire up ExpressVPN on any of your devices, phone, laptop, whatever, tap one button to connect, and that's it. So they protect your privacy. It's a great organization. You've given enough to your ISP this year. It's time for you to start taking. So take back your Internet privacy today with VPN rated number one by TechRater and Mashable. Visit expressvpn.com slash unashamed. You're going to get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. So you're saving money. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N, expressvpn.com slash unashamed, expressvpn.com slash unashamed to learn more. Well, when you think about it, though, there's a lot of similarities. That's why I said for us, I think the reason we have trouble with Mark 13 in our culture and in churches is because we're just not familiar with the way the temple was set up, the shadow that produced Jesus, which was his plan. Because when you go back to John 1, and, you know, the famous chapter, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, when it gets to 14, when it says the Word became flesh and made his dwelling, which is the word for tabernacle, temple, among us, we have seen his glory. And you remember all this, you know, from Moses' day, we, you can't look on the glory of God or you will die. And... That's why they had the high priest going in the back room. And th this is, you know, they we talked about this before, but they would tie uh, a, a rope on him. So in, if he died, seeing the glory of God, they'd, they'd fish him out. Drag him out. Because so, if you went in there to get him, the CSI in their day, well, all them would die. Yeah. So, but we've seen his glory. We can now look look at his face. I mean, you you could pick a verse. You know, the one about the uh, that we read last time. I think it's Second Corinthians three. We're like we with all unveiled faces reflect the glory of God in the face of Christ. So that's what he was was saying. And to your point, Al, they were doing all these rituals as far as like uh, bringing sacrifices for their sins, the bulls and goats and but Jesus did something. He flipped that on its head. You don't. You don't have to bring your sacrifice. He's like, I'm. I'll be the sacrifice for you. So it was a. It was a fulfillment of a structure becoming a man from God, Jesus. I mean, in all the verses from First Corinthians all the way to Revelation about we're the temple. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit and and those all make sense now because Jesus fulfilled that. So I think if you if you if you get that in your head 
and realize what the conflict and the friction that was going on over this idea of the temple. You don't come in here and start making remarks about the temple to the teachers of the law. (laughs) And this is crazy talk to to them. This This is we will kill you talk. But what's interesting is he set it up with that quote from David in Psalm 110 by showing that he's been around before David, yep. during David, and after David. So yep. you know, they, they had no answer for him, but, but they still were hanging on to it. You know what else is ironic is that whenever the temple, of course, the temple wasn't immediately destroyed right after Jesus came and died and left. And in Acts chapter 3 and 4, guess where the apostles were leading people into Christ? Where did they go? Temple courts. That's temple courts. And and they they were helping lead them to conversion out of the old system into Christ. And they, this they was were doing changes, it. changes being made like they had never heard of before. That's right. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And then and then the church becomes part of the kingdom that that Christ came to firmly establish, which when we were talking about that whole podcast we had with Larry about the ascension, it's in to me, Jace, it sets up Mark 13 so importantly because it shows you that Christ is king. He is ruling. He is on the throne. We're not waiting for that to happen at the end of time. It's going on right now. That Jesus, when Jesus came down, it, this, this, this became personal. God became personal. It no longer became some kind of a building, a system where you had to go through a ritual to do these things, to punch your card, to try to do what was required, and then you go out and live, you know, the best you can. It, it wasn't a personal relationship with God. I mean, I, I guess that's that's what most uh, you know pastors say, but it, I, I don't. I can't think of a phrase that depicts what Jesus brought because it did. It became something uh, way more intimate. When that curtain, that rip started, it came all the way to the to the floor. When that happened, that pretty well was God saying, "I'm out of here." <laughs> you, 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 well, access you know is saying? now being given. It's like what's that? The Romans five says that you know now that we've gained access. Is that what it says? Uh, let me look at that real quick. Uh, since therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into His grace, in which we now stand. Which is was my point about. Not only did He bring the presence of God in His body. You know, you got Colossians two. All the deity lives in bodily form in, in Jesus, but He also brought the sacrifice. For our sins, we we didn't have to bring it. He 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 brought it, which was his body. And then guess what? He he rose three days later. I was just thumbing through the and then, psalms. And the kicker is, you you look up one day, and it wasn't very long either. By seventy A.D., they looked up and saw Titus and the Romans coming, but that wound it up as far as and it has not been replaced since that time, since seventy A.D. The temple is gone. Why didn't they build another one? It's, yeah. it's, it was beyond repair, Al. That's right. 
Well, what's ironic is, Dad, what, G- the, what the Jesus same, said, he said, I'm, I'm going to destroy this thing. You know, the but, same time period that it took to build it, he said, you know, they said 46 years. It was about the same time frame that it took to get to the point of destroying it from yep. when Jesus was here, right yep. at 40 years, yep. which was kind of ironic. Yeah, what I wanted to bring up is, I mean, I was just thumbing through the Psalms while we were talking here because David gave hints of this even in the Psalms. And one of them I chose, or I, I, I looked at here, is, is Psalm 11. So watch what he says. He says, in the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? And he's 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 saying this because of it just seems like in our world we're outnumbered and it, it's you know, best thing to do is just get away from it. Bad things happen. There's violence. There's so, and watch what he says. For look, verse two, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so watch this verse four is what I want to highlight on. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. So you think about it. In that one verse, he's like, when when it looks bad and you're outnumbered or when difficulty's happening or we, we seem surrounded, he, he went with two things. The Lord is in his, is at the right hand. He is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And he's in his temple, which gets to that access we have, the personal relationship. And I know that to be true because when you keep reading, he said he observes uh, the sons of men, his eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked and those who love violence, his soul hates. On the wicked, he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men, and here's the phrase I want to get, will see his face, which is the exact contrast, which is why they had to wear veils under the old temple system. But that, this is Psalm 11. He, he's, he's, he's gotten the whole picture way before the picture had unfolded, is my point. And uh, so what seems weird to me is that I think we have, time, we have a hard time understanding when he's talking about the temple. Because everybody immediately, when they go to Mark 13, starts talking about the second coming of Jesus. But they're missing an important fact that God designed is that the temple system by which you obtain your religion and your confidence in, in who you are, he, he tore that down. He became the temple for us when he came to earth in, in who Jesus is. And yeah. what Jesus did on a cross and the resurrection gave us way more intimate access in, into God looking into our hearts than anything you're ever that was ever going to be produced by temple worship. Jesus saying, destroy this body and I'll raise it up in three days, the temple, that being the temple, that doesn't that doesn't move the needle in the religious world today. That they don't, but but to them, that was the most outrageous statement they had ever heard. 
you know, we, we have our few, like where it says, you know, the only sin that's unforgivable. Well, that we get, that gets our attention. Cause we're like, well, what is it? I don't want to ever do that. But what it was just as outrageous to their culture for him saying, you, you destroy this temple. I'll build it back in three days. What? That, that, what, what, they, they you gotta be insane. They looked that, at the temple and looked over at him. Around and, well, well, that's why when I, you know, I didn't read it, but I, I mean, I want to, but when he, when he got to Mark 13 too, Jesus said, do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. So whatever he's going to after that, and when you tie in what he said in John 2, Jesus was saying, I'm the temple of God right here. That's what he was saying. Yep. It's a heavy load to, 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 for, for many. Well, to me, that's a way better story. And, and what we should be doing as humans 2,000 years later is to have this intimate dwelling with God through Jesus and his spirit indwellingness than to be building dinosaur temples on the earth. It. Look, and going through a ritualistic setting we, of... We can be over there under them overcup trees, oak trees in the middle of the woods, but the temple of God, he's there too. He just, he just is. Jace, you mentioned the unforgivable sin, which, by the way, the only one that's unforgivable is to cut out the very one who ushers you into the presence of God, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're not least, laughing because a lot of people, you know, have trouble understanding this. But it's like, and I've had many arguments, but it's really helped me doing this with y'all, going through this systematic you know, Mark study where you're like, there was a lot of conflict and a lot of activity over what was going on in this temple. And he's, he's trying to prepare their minds and hearts for something so shocking. Everything in their life and world and culture was fixed to come tumbling down. And, and it, granted, it was going to be almost thought- 40 years from now, but he was like, this is better because I'm the temple. If I had been there and I was roughly 30 years old, 40, or about to what I am now, 76, and I had witnessed these events, I just wonder how many, 40 years later roughly, from the time he said, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. But if you look at it, Al, I mean, the ones who were still there and looking at what the temple was, when there was not one stone left on top of another, just a pile of rubble, 40 years later, you say, boy, did this thing, 40 years is not all that long, but that would have been in within my lifetime if I had been there at the time. I just wonder what impact, I guess we're looking at the impact, Al, from, from the time Jesus said that until present day. But, uh, but well, what happened when Titus did destroy it? I mean, the Roman Empire. I mean, they didn't leave a one brick on top of another one. It came down. Yeah. Never to be rebuilt. No. It's never been the same. And and it was that way on purpose, which is kind of interesting because even the 40 years, though, really that was a grace thing by God because yep. you remember when pa- Paul was so passionate, like in the book of Romans, when he was like, 
I'm doing everything I can to get my brethren, my kindred Jewish brothers to see who Christ is because he knew he was so hard headed and hard hearted. Oh yeah. I mean, he had to be struck down on the road oh, yeah. before he, before he would give up the temple. Yep. But then he knew, right. And so then he led other people, which, which was powerful, which is really what happens to us. Let's, uh, let's take another break. I was just going to say, I was wondering what people do with that Acts 17, 24, where it says the Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples built by hands. Yeah. Why would he make that statement? Yeah. Yeah. Because he figured out, oh, Jesus is the temple. Right. He's yep. tabernacle. He's tabernacling, if that's a word. <laughs> it is with that dwelling. You know, he's he made his dwelling among us. John one. We have seen his glory, full of grace and and truth. I mean that that was the plan of God, and Jesus is, which is what led him to his death, because this threatened them. But remember, that's why in Ephesians two eleven, been following. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, these Gentiles, think about it, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace and he's made the two one, Jew and Gentile, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with all its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their, hospitality, their, their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him... We, Jew or Gentile, both have access to the Father by one spirit. Boy, what a read. That 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 ties it all together, Al. No, that's good. And and something you said, Jace, about Acts 17, which was, was fascinating. When he made that statement about God not living in temples built by human hands, he was in Athens. And he was on Mars Hill and up above him, and Dad and I have been there, uh, up above him, the Acropolis is what he was referring to, and that was Greek worship. You know, that was Gentile worship. Had, had, it, wasn't, it wasn't the temple in Jerusalem. So it was really interesting. He was even addressing that to Gentiles at that moment, but at the same time, but also applied to Jews. And when you get over to Acts 21, he goes into Jerusalem, gets on the temple steps, and guess what he does? Preaches the same sermon. And, of course, they tried to kill him just like they did Jesus because he was saying it's not about the temple anymore. It's about Jesus. It's about who he is, exactly. which is powerful. I'll give you another example of it. So when you go to Colossians 2, and 
he makes this statement because you, you got to realize well, the reason the Jews were having so much trouble with this is because Jesus was basically giving them the impression that what they were doing was not real. It was a shadow that he was fulfilling this temple worship in a ritualistic setting. But this was their life. And so he took great pains to do this carefully, but he was blunt about it. I mean, he, he just said, you people walking around thinking you're high and mighty, you know, you're going to be punished severely. But in Colossians 2, he says in verse 17, kind of talking about having the old law and, and the, the system and what he liberated us from, you know, canceled the, canceling the written code, nailing it to the cross. That's in verse 14. He gets to 17. He said, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So when he gets to chapter 3, it's amazing to me what Paul, he, he does something similar to what David did in Psalm 11 that I read. He focuses on the same two things about Christ being king at the right hand and, and Christ dwelling uh, intimately with us in, in a temple setting. Watch what he says in chapter 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him. And here's that word again, glory. It, God's glory became available to us through Jesus. That, that was the whole plan because God is so much bigger and so much more powerful. Even in our fleshly human state, there was not a way to coexist without you being evaporated. And so Jesus becomes a man to bridge the gap for us so that we could live together, which I think this is an upgrade I mean, I mean, just think about how, how putting this in perspective, if your whole life is about going to a, a building and, and doing anything and then you die, that that wasn't much of a uh, no, that wasn't much of a life. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. How much simpler could you get? Acts 17, that's what the Apostle Paul told the Greeks. They had all these statues of going down, going in every direction. He said, God doesn't live in those. Over. That's all over. Can you imagine? I mean, they're so used to all that junk they, they had built. They're the ones who built it. They dug the hole and buried them in it. They, they, they did the whole thing. Then turned around and bowed down at, at, at in front of what they had built instead of Reaching out for Jesus, which is the apostle. You know, it's interesting. When Stephen was preaching his coffin sermon, in 48, he says, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. That's it. As the prophet said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? 
And what did that eventually lead to? Them, they had their hands over their ears, screaming at the top of the lungs, and they're picking up rocks, going to kill him. And what did Stephen do? The same thing Paul did in Colossians in, in writing, the same psalm that uh, David wrote in Psalm 11. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and full of the Holy Spirit. He literally imitated Jesus by saying, uh, what did he say? I think he said, forgive them. See, what did he say? Uh, Yeah, verse 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, do not hold this sin against him. He literally became Jesus. All right, so intimate of a relationship that even though he's trying to get them to live eternally, and and have this joyous experience of experiencing the God of the universe, even with him killing him, he became Jesus in such a way, focused on who Jesus is, where he said the same words Jesus did when he was crucified. Well, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and as we mentioned before, in the moment of that happening, here's the guy who would take the gospel to the Gentile world was the big Pumbaa, given his approval of Stephen's death in that moment before he was led to Christ by Jesus himself. So it, it really is just continues to unfold as you go through this process of seeing how it all started, which is amazing. I mean, and we're the results of the re- results 2000 years later, we're still here. But, and I guess it is like you were saying though, Jay's earlier, I think, I guess in the modern vernacular, it wouldn't be as much about temples, but people do the same thing with what they would call a house of worship or a building. Recently, I was visiting a place in our town, and it, it had been built in the 40s. And at one time, this was vibrant. And I mean, they had packed houses, standing room only, and this church had an interesting history, but it was down to 10 people. And so, you know, they obviously couldn't keep, they couldn't even, you know, keep the lights going. And, and so I went into this place and what they d- finally decided to do was donate it to one of our ministries. Be- but I, as I was walking around, I looked in there and I saw blankets and I saw people's Bibles, you know, on the pews. And I just thought, you know, it's just a place. I mean, it's been, it's been there for 80 years, but it, now there's no, there's no life. There's no people. There's no, there's no vibrancy. It's just a shell. It's a husk. And so really you could say the same thing about this idea of the temple in the first century is the same thing about people looking at, at mortar and bricks as being the thing. It's not. It's just a it's just a place where the people of God gather, right? Well, we're out of time, but I, I wanna in overtime, Jace, we didn't get into the Jesus uses an illustration about what kind of hearts he's looking for. And I think that's what he's talking about by the teachers of the law versus this widow. So I want to flesh that out a little bit in overtime. If you want to follow us over, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed. And uh, you can uh, sign up and uh, get our overtime. So we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.